Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Money is a major taboo in relationships, no matter if you're on your first date or you've been married for years. Next to sex, money is at the top of the list of reasons why couples fight and sometimes even break up. 
Let's take this year we've all been through, spending so much time with our loved one. It's often a make it or break it situation. And with all the financial stress, well, it's just all tough to navigate. By the end of this reboot episode featuring Nicole Middendorf, a wealth advisor and certified divorce financial analyst, you'll have a roadmap for how to talk to your partner about money. Now let's start the show. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. Just when you think you've got this love and money thing down pat, something else comes up and just smacks you in the face. And of course, I'm speaking from personal experience, but I have a feeling you might know a little bit about what I'm talking about if you've been or are in a relationship. Our guest today, Nicole Middendorf, is a wealth advisor and certified divorce financial analyst with Prosper Well Financial and is here to thankfully help us take a deeper dive into how we navigate this love and money conversation. This fall, her fifth book, Who Pays? Navigating Love and Money will hit bookshelves everywhere. And Nicole's life goal really is to reduce the divorce rate by helping couples and especially women feel less intimidated when talking about money. Yes, please. (laughs) Where do I sign up? So Nicole, I am so excited to have you join us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I wanted to start out as somebody myself who's been divorced. I know how difficult and expensive that process can be. And so many couples, I think, can just avoid this by not being afraid to have tough conversations. But I'd love to hear from you. Why do you think couples get stuck when it comes to talking about money? Well, I talk about a money memory. And so many times how we were raised about money is how we believe and think about money. And so usually in a couple or in a relationship, there's one person that's a spender and there's one person that's a saver. And so sometimes um, those are very different personalities, (laughs) which bring about very different values. And so that's where, um, you know, if you were raised in an environment uh, that your mom always paid the bills and your dad handled the investments, like that's what you grew up with. That's what you you know, versus if you were raised by a single mom that didn't have any help and you never had any money and you just struggled um, to make it on a day-to-day basis versus if you 
were raised in an environment um, of like a trust fund family of a very wealthy family. And so all of those things of how you were raised bring about different money memories, which bring about different values. And so that's where if you don't necessarily, one, know what those are for yourself or have your own relationship with money, you then want to figure out what is your relationship with money and communicate that with the person that you're in a relationship with. Because a lot of times, most people don't even understand how they believe or think about money themselves, right. let alone, okay, how can you then communicate with someone if you're like, I don't know, am I a spender or am I a saver? You know, what's, <laughs> what's important to be to me about money? And then it's really, I mean, it's part of the reason why I wrote this book, um, Who Pays, is because in there is um, just a whole section of questions um, that people can ask each other because I just feel like it's very few people go on a money date. Very few people talk about money unless it's in their financial advisor's office or in their CPA's office. But even when that does happen, that's very rare. Most of the time, you know, one person sends all the stuff to the CPA, they get the tax return and they just bring it to their significant other to sign it. Or nowadays, everything's electronic. And so really, you know, how many times are you actually sitting down and having a conversation about money with your significant other? And so one, it's a difficult topic, let alone it's a topic that you're going to avoid. (laughs) And so part of the reason I wrote this book is in there is various different questions about money so that you can start having those conversations so that you can understand your own money memories and understand the money memories of your significant other so you can respect and appreciate them. Yeah, absolutely. I talk about that a lot on the podcast. And I think sometimes people aren't even maybe cognizant, aware of what their money memory is. Like maybe this is something they even, they haven't even taken some time to really stop and think about. And when you do, it becomes really powerful because I think you can see different trends that have emerged over your lifetime. And then of course you have a decision whether you want to change that or not change that, but at least you have some awareness of what that is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because some, you know, like I I was raised in the environment that every like you should never have any debt that you should right. be responsible for yourself which is great because i'm extremely independent um which has hurt me in my dating life <laughs> but, but i was raised to you know debt is bad never have any debt and so i i last year purchased a large commercial building and um you know i mean many years ago i understood you know there's good debt and there's bad debt But this is totally against, you know, me buying this building is totally against how my parents were raised, let alone how I was raised about money, that, you know, debt is a bad thing. Debt sometimes can be a good thing if you if you use it wisely. Yes. Yeah, that is such a good point. So I want to talk a little bit about backing up and going to the dating phase. And of course, these days it looks different than it did even five, 10 years ago. We've got apps and people swipe left, swipe right. Uh, But what do you think that people need to know about money when they're in the dating phase? Should they be having these conversations at that point or is it maybe still a little too early? Well, I feel like sometimes people don't talk about money at all. I mean, I'm I'm a certified divorce financial analyst. And so there's people that I've helped through the divorce. Um, and then what happens is I help them through the divorce. And then a year, a year later, they're bringing in the new guy or the new gal. For, for the <laughs> and they're already getting married. 
And I start asking some questions, you know, what's his credit score? What's her credit score? And like, they have no clue. It doesn't mean you go on your first date and ask what's your credit score, (laughs) but it means that, you know, once you're in a serious relationship and you've been with someone, you know, every person's relationship is different. Some people go on that super fast track. Some people are on, you know, a, a slower, fast track, a slower track. Um, and so sometimes it's, you know, maybe six months, nine months, maybe it's a year, but you want to start having those conversations. So, you know, you know, one person, they may want to retire when they're 60 and another person may want to retire when they're 50 and one person loves to travel and one person doesn't. And those are completely different lifestyles, let alone completely different financial situations of what you're saving for. And you just, you one, you want to protect yourself financially, but two, you want to know what your plan is as an individual, let alone what your plan is as a couple. And so, yes, absolutely be talking about money when you're dating. It's just not necessarily on the first date. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Right. You don't want to, you don't want to scare away somebody too fast. It's funny when I started, I'm divorced. And when I started dating my husband that I'm married to now, the very first date, I, I, because I am a certified financial planner myself, you know, I started to sort of enter in a little bit of the money conversation, maybe without him really knowing what I was doing. And there was a moment where he just looked at me and he's like, wait, you want to talk about money already? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, well, not entirely, but I might want to just know a few things before we go forward. And he was like, okay, cool. Like I can appreciate that. But, um, but I know from so many friends, especially when they're dating and they're getting more serious, they come to me and, and they're like, Shauna, I don't, I don't know. Like what if he scares away or she scares away if I start talking about these things? But you're right. You could, you could enter into a long term relationship with someone and have totally different uh, life views or uh, life paths. And that definitely could bring in conflict. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love too, you were talking about in your book, Who Pays uh, Navigating Love and and Money, the concept of, I love this, financial unfaithfulness. And, And I think that's such a great, great term. How do you know if you're being unfaithful with your cash in a relationship? Well, first you've got to look at what's, you know, are you being faithful with yourself? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm that person at the store. If I, I mean, nowadays, very rarely do I pay in cash, but I'm the person in the store that like people get frustrated with because you're handed a lot of money. And I take the time to put the dollar bills in the order (laughs) that they should be facing in the right direction. (laughs) But it comes from the premise that if you're taking care of your money, your money's going to take care of you. And so it's really being faithful and thoughtful um, and authentic with your own money so that you can um, not be, I think it was like in a Sex and City movie and there was something else that I've seen numerous, various different scenes where you've got the woman that's buying items and hiding them um, yes. you know, from their significant other. And so that is when you know um, that you're being unfaithful. You know, if you if you have a credit card that the per, your your significant other doesn't know about, or you know, if you're hiding money, or if you're buying things or praying they don't ever you know notice something on the credit card bill, <laughs> that's when you're really not being honest uh, with the person that you're in a relationship with. But you're also really not being honest with yourself. And so that's where I always give the advice of okay, set a dollar amount that 
you know, you can go out and spend and every relationship is different. Maybe it's a hundred bucks, maybe it's 500 bucks, maybe it's a thousand, but then you can go out and spend that amount and not have to explain what you spent that on. So if you're out and you know, you're with the girlfriends and you're going to go to the spa, that you can get a massage without having to come home and let alone explain to your significant other what, what you spent money on or why you spent money. And so that you have money that you're in control of because we as women, I just, I find we tend to feel guilty already. Um, and so you want to really eliminate that feeling of guilt, let alone of your time or, you know, we're just always, we as women, we always put other people first. We put our kids yeah. first, we put our family first. And we generally put ourselves last. And so with that, usually um, is because of a lot of guilt. And so if you can take that guilt away from money, that can help you psychologically. That's such a good point, too. And I never really thought about it that way, about the guilt factor. But you're so right. As women, we just sort of automatically feel guilty for things that, particularly around finances, I think because there's this, I don't know what it is, but this societal you know, myth or image that was set up from when we were children that either we're not supposed to be good with money or mm-hmm. we don't know what we're doing or we'll never make as much, you know, as men or we can't, you know, do it as well. I mean, all of these things. And so you're right. Like, I think it sets out this pattern of just feeling guilty. And maybe that even stops women from then, you know, having those honest conversations with with spouses because, we feel that internally and maybe we don't even recognize that. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy, workout-friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. We'll jump back into the episode after an Ask Shauna from Caitlin. Caitlin says, 
First off, thank you so much for your podcast. It has been a big part of helping me get in a better relationship with money in general. I thought I would share some of my money story with you as the stories on your podcast make me feel empowered and less alone. I was sold an inappropriate life insurance policy and then laughed at by an older male financial advisor in my early 20s. Those two experiences trying to invest were a bit traumatic for someone who had always worried about money, and I put off dipping my toes in it until a couple years later. In September of 2017, I had a major surgery which forced me to get well acquainted with health insurance. When it came to pay the bills, I figured it was time to start owning my finances as well. That's when I started listening to your podcast. I had fully funded a Roth IRA for a couple of years, but then I actually got that money invested and invested in other funds as well. I've kept listening to podcasts and reading, and I am ready to advance a little in my investing. I would like to get an asset allocation I'm comfortable with in my personal account. As I look up funds, I've noticed that many I like, i.e. very low fees, are with Vanguard. I'm currently working with Fidelity and Advisor there. Do you think I should open a second investing account with Vanguard so I could buy their funds without commission fees? This is a great question, Caitlin, and thank you so much for sharing your money story. I agree that when we can hear other people's stories, it just helps us to feel better, maybe to feel like we're not so alone. And I love hearing your money stories as well because they make me feel the same way, even though I'm here trying to disseminate some sort of advice or expertise to you. I just think money is this topic where we all feel better when we admit to, hey, maybe something went wrong or, hey, maybe I made a mistake. It's like, oh, great. You did too. Now I don't feel so bad. So this is a great question. And this exact question was posted on the Investopedia site. And I wanted to read their answer verbatim from this post. And I'm going to link it in the show notes. So if you want to head on over there and see the full response to this question, Go ahead and check that out. I did not write this response, but I thought it was really well said. And so I want to just read this verbatim. It says, investors do not have to open an account with Vanguard to buy and sell the highly regarded investment company's funds. Vanguard maintains multiple agreements with firms such as TD Ameritrade, Capital One Investing, et cetera, et cetera. As a result, most major brokerages offer their retail clients the opportunity to trade Vanguard mutual funds and ETFs as well. But there's a catch. Vanguard is famed for its no loads, low expense ratios, and low to non-existent fees and commissions. In fact, in July 2018, it announced that it was dropping commissions on virtually its entire ETF universe. In contrast, each broker has its own commission structure. It might allow certain Vanguard funds to be bought and sold commission-free, and then again, it might not. So long story short, Caitlin, you should be able to buy Vanguard funds through Fidelity without an issue. This is definitely something you should talk to your broker there. As a note, just as a personal opinion, I think Fidelity's platform and all of their online tools All the things that they have available to you, in my opinion, is a bit superior to Vanguard, but that's just my two cents. But that might not be of importance to you if you're really just looking for the low fee. So before you switch, compare buying Vanguard funds with your current Fidelity account versus if you opened a new Vanguard account. And 
just see how things stack up. Pros versus cons, make a little list. And if it comes down to fees, as fees are obviously super important. And if the fee, the lower fee is what you're going after, then it might make sense to open a Vanguard account. It might not. You kind of have to just weigh this out, pro versus con, see where you feel on the different platform options on each of these different company sites. I don't think there's a wrong way you can go. Both are going to offer you super low fees. Both are going to offer you great access, of course, to the Vanguard funds. And there was also an Investopedia article, interesting enough, about the Fidelity versus Vanguard comparison. So it goes into some more details about why they like Fidelity, why they like Vanguard, why they don't like Fidelity, why they don't like Vanguard. So if you're looking for a little comparison, I will definitely uh, point you over there in the show notes so you can get some more of that information. But this is a great question, and I probably have not solved it for you. But more than anything, I just want you to feel empowered to make a pro and cons list and figure out what is most important to you because you can't make a wrong choice here. But I think you're doing the right thing by certainly asking these questions. Absolutely. I mean, I it floors me, which I did put a little bit about this in the book, um, the amount of women that I meet um, or that are clients of ours that will say they have this fear of being a bag lady. And this woman could have $10,000 to her name or a million or 10 million. It doesn't matter the amount. Right. We are just like raised um, with this with this different psychological thinking about money. And I, my, I have two kids. I'm a single mom. My daughter is nine going on 18 and my (laughs) my son is 11. But I recently, I was on TV a couple weeks ago. Fidelity uh, came out with this study that talked about, we still are talking to our daughters differently than we are talking to our sons about money. And it really just hit me one, because I'm a mom that have, you know, one, I'm a financial advisor, but two, I'm a mom of a boy and a girl. And I'm like, how can I not be talking to my kids, you know, equally about money? But this study just talked about in general that that we're taking our daughter shopping. We're not necessarily taking our son's shopping. And, um, and it's interesting because we got our school supply list already. I can't believe it. Um, and my daughter is beyond excited to go to the store and pick out her school supplies. And, and our option is you can, pay for a prepackaged box of school supplies from the school, from this company, or you can buy them at the store. And my daughter wants to go shopping. My son wants nothing to do with that. He just wants that prepackaged, prepackaged box. But I just found it really interesting with looking at this Fidelity study of like, wow, you know, we are, I am tending to go shopping more with my daughter. But even though I do talk about investments and um, savings accounts equally with my kids, I can see how it's easy for parents to to do that, to not necessarily be talking to our daughters or teaching our daughters about investing or, you know, me um, being a single mom buying this, this building. I feel like it's been this huge splash in Minnesota and it shouldn't be like, you know, what's a big deal that a young yeah. woman is owning a commercial building? Like, why is that so unique? It, sh- it shouldn't be. Absolutely. You know, and, and I just, I really hope that, you know, we have more people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the financial services world that really just take this and make an impact with it. But 
we can all do a difference if we have you know nieces and nephews or our kids um, and in our own relationships that we're talking about money and communicating about money. Yeah, I think that that's that's such an awesome point, and and it's hard even to think about how to unravel that all where we can really create a society where we're talking to boys and girls the same about money or about whatever subject it may be, whether it's buying a building or investing or starting your own business, that that conversation can be generic enough that it applies to both. And it it definitely is like fascinating to think about how in the world do we even go about doing that? Because it feels like even though we're we're pushing change and, and change is definitely happening, it's still a long road. <laughs> oh, really? But I feel like I feel like we're making headway. You know, the whole um, women's soccer team, you know, I'm all about because I work with professional athletes. And when I say I work with professional athletes, what who do people think of? They think of men. Of course. And I want, you know, I want to change that. And, you know, there should be equality across everything. But it all can, you know, yes, we can make major change, but we can also start with what can we do ourselves individually every single day to make some impact with that. And there's it could be anything from utilizing social media to starting a money club to telling your significant other you want to have a money date to, you know, reading an article about it, talking to your daughter about money or what whatever it may be. Yeah, that that's such great advice. You can just start with a really small step. So I'd I'd love to know. Let's say somebody is listening and they're like, "Okay, I want to I want to attempt this money date thing." What are the the parameters around a money date? What should they be talking about or not talking about? Do you have any advice? Well, sometimes uh, the first money date maybe needs to be in a public place, <laughs> depending, <laughs> depending on your relationship. With um, witnesses. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so um, I always tell people, you know, go go to a public place and sit down. And, and usually there could be a hot topic of something, you know, maybe you're looking at doing a home repair or remodel, or maybe you're looking at buying and selling a car, buying and selling a house, you know. So start with something like that. And then eventually the goal would be is that you, I mean, the topics are endless of, you know, gosh, what are we spending on our cell phone bill to um, who do we have as beneficiaries on our accounts to, oh, do we have a trust? Do we need a trust? What happens? And it's all the what ifs of life. You know, what if, what if, what if I lose my job? What if the market crashes? What if I, um, we have a medical emergency? It's all of those different types of things that you can answer of the what ifs. And it can be looking at your 401k, your allocation, your investments, your income, your cash flow, you name it. And the biggest hurdle is just start and just make it a commitment. And it doesn't have to be this huge, big endeavor. You know, I get it. If you have kids, you know, it's, you're super busy running around with their various different activities. And, you know, by the time you get home at night, you're exhausted from working and dealing with the children. The last thing you want to do is talk about money. And so maybe you block off that it's, you know, the first Sunday of every month you go out for breakfast or, you know, go out to dinner or whatever it may be. And that's your allotted time that it's your date night and you talk about money. Yeah, I think that's that's such great advice, particularly that it doesn't have to be, especially the first money day, it doesn't have to be like you're going to tackle 30 subjects at once. It could be just one one subject. You can ease your way into it. But what I found is uh, that, you know, respecting each person because you're each coming into this with completely different views and, like you said, uh, money memories around money. So you're going to look at the same objective from two different 
standpoints. And so I think really honoring and respecting each other too, don't you think just as, as partners goes a long way? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to know, you know what what initially sparked your interest in talking to couples about money. Is this what you started your career in, or is this just something that you feel super passionate about? In 2010, I was separated, and I legally was divorced in 2012. And so he um, was like, "Hey, you know, by that time I had already written one book, and I had a radio show." And um, he's he was like. You, you know, that's great, Nick, that you have this book for women and money. And I was doing one on retirement. And he's like, you know, you really should write something on dating and money. And I'm like, um, I got married right out of college. <laughs> like, <laughs> just in a divorce. and like, I know nothing about dating. And like, I know about money, but I don't know about dating. And so he kind of put this little like bug in my ear of like, you know, I really should do this. And so um, I waited till uh, I was told for every year you're in an abusive relationship, you should not date for three months. And so I didn't start dating until February of 2012. And so when I did that, I was like, okay, wow, let me, you know, this would be kind of cool. Like I, you know, once I had actually some dating experience, I was like, oh man. And I had some crazy dates and some crazy. Oh, yes. I was like, there really is kind of a book here. And then um, fast forward. I was then in a relationship for a while. And then from all of that, I really realized like, gosh, there's so many days where I feel like I'm a marriage counselor. And I have had a couple of clients thank me for saving their marriage. And so from that, I was like, wow, like this isn't just like a book on dating and money. This can be on blended families. This can help this can really be a book to help couples. And my you know, goal, if I can save another couple from going through a divorce to help money not be that rift or be that stressor, you know, and then make it easier for women uh, to date in this kind of crazy environment that we're in, uh, that, that's really my goal. So that's how it came about. Nothing I ever planned on, but it's pretty, it's been an awesome experience. Those are the best things. Nothing ever planned on. This podcast is nothing ever planned on. <laughs> so those are always fun. But you mentioned uh, blended families. And I know that, uh, you know, that's a real issue, particularly with money. How how do you suggest managing like financial stress and strain when you're in a blended family and maybe you're trying to also balance like new good goals, but there's still, uh, there's a, there's a lot of tentacles of where the money has to go out to. Right. Yeah, no. And it was really interesting because the, the man that I dated for almost three years, um, you know, he had two children that were older than mine. And so I, you know, experienced firsthand that awkwardness of, wow, we would go out to dinner and then sometimes like, my kids would be with. And I really just, as I said earlier, my mom raised me, never have anyone take care of you. And so we'd be out at dinner and like, he's just the type of guy where he always had to pay if we were, and I'm like, no, 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 you can't. My children are here. <laughs> like I, I am paying. And so it's very fascinating, you know, the conversations that we had. And I just learned I needed to go use the restroom, hand my credit card to the waitress <laughs> and just beat him to the, you know, beat him to the punch because I just felt these are my children and I didn't want anyone ever, um, you know, paying for them or, you know, now there's various times that, th you know, things happened obviously, but yeah, it's, um, it's one of those pieces where you really have to have some serious conversations and some plan, a plan because there, what happens, especially if there's different ages, 
you know, the two, if you've got two older kids and let's say two younger kids, the two older kids maybe had a, a set of precedents of like, what are you doing with the car? And then the two right. younger kids, maybe someone has a different philosophy. So for me, my philosophy is my kids know, um, even though they're young, that I will pay for 50% of their first car, as long as they have good grades and, you know, this, this requirement <laughs> of things. And that, the band that I dated, that wasn't his philosophy. He was just buying the vehicle for his kid. And so right. that's where, like, how, how do you then manage, you know, how do you manage that? And how, and all, it all comes down to communication and being on the same page. Yeah, such a good point. That's, that sounds like a very tricky situation. Um, but I'd love to know as, as we sort of wrap up here. So let's say you're on, you're on a game show and there's like a couple in front of you and they're in the like, so in love phase, you know, everything's good. The sex is flowing, dreaming of the future, you know, everything's great. But of course, they've never said a word about money to each other yet. What would you say is, is the number one subject that they need to talk about? And, and how do they do it? I would say what their long-term goal is. Because um, if you have, if one person has a long-term goal that is totally different than the other person, um, that's where you've got to figure out, do our, our, do our values really match up? Because, um, I mean, this just happened again yesterday. I have a couple, they've been married for 30 year, 30 plus years, and she wants to travel. And, and he doesn't want to do that at all. And so, um, he's, she's already retired. He's looking at retiring. And so there's this, they have this huge house. And so it's become this big issue because they're like, do we sell this house? Because she wants to sell the house and, you know, have two small homes and spend the time traveling. He's like, I don't want that. Like, <laughs> let's just keep this house. <laughs> and so you need to make sure that you're on the same page from what are each of your long-term goals and do those fit together, do those mesh together. Cause if you look at the long-term, you can usually then backtrack and kind of piece out some of the more um, things that come up on a yearly basis. Wow. Such great advice. Well, Nicole, this has been awesome. I love talking about couples and money. Tell the listeners where they can go to find you and where they can go to pick up a copy of your new book. So there's, you can go to NicoleMiddendorf.com. Um, otherwise, ProsperWell.com is my company. Um, and that's where, um, and we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, social media, all of that. But ProsperWell.com can get you access to everything. Thanks so much for checking out this episode and a big thanks to our sponsors that make this show possible. Remember to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. But before you leave, I want to empower you to embrace where you are today, the good and the not so good. And remember, nothing lasts forever. Just keep taking small steps every day and remember how awesome you truly are. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.
Algorithms can do so much more than control social media feeds. In fact, they have the power to save lives and improve our health. At the Weizmann Institute, Professor Yonina Eldar has pioneered innovative algorithms that optimize MRI scans and make ultrasound devices more portable, affordable, and accessible. Professor Eldar's lab develops AI tools that can pave the way to new technologies that can see, hear, and communicate beyond existing limits. Learn more at celebratinggreatminds.org.